listening to Dauber Prospects Radio, episode 56, coming to you on Monday, June 24th, and the NHL entry draft just rounded up. I'm about to travel back to Ontario, and uh, just thought I'd slip this in real quick. There's going to be a number of uh, upcoming episodes in the next few days. I'll try to get them out as quickly as possible. They're going to be short little episodes uh, featuring interviews that I did at the draft with different writers and scouts, etc., uh, so the first one I wanted to get up is a round one review that I did the morning of round two, just before things started popping, with uh, Dauber Prospects managing editor Cam Robinson. So Cam gave me a couple of minutes, and we reviewed some of the things that we thought were interesting from round one. So let's go ahead and have a listen with that, and uh, come back and look for a bunch of episodes coming up in the near future. All right, so here I am at the NHL Entry Draft in Vancouver, just before the second day starts, and I'm joined by Dauber Prospects Managing Editor, Cam Robinson. Cam, thanks for coming back on, buddy. Of course, man. It's been a fun weekend so far. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. Uh, so lots is going to happen today. Not too many trades happened last night, so let's just kind of talk about some of the players that were picked in the first round last night. Sounds good. All right, so uh, first off the top, let's start at the top of the draft. Kako Hughes, that debate was finally put to bed. However, the fantasy debate rages on. Who's the better fantasy player? So let's look at it in two ways. Uh, you're going into a one-year draft. You can pick either Hughes or Kako. Who do you think has the better fantasy upside for a one-year situation? I'll go Kako. Um, I think physically he's more mature. He's more ready to play in the NHL. Uh, you know, obviously coming out of a pro league in Finland, the ice is a little bit bigger, but it's not, you know, playing in Russia or in Sweden. And, you know, uh, the head coach there in, in New York has already said that he's been eyeing up the, the top right wing spot for him next to Mika Zibinijad. And so, you know, sliding him into that position right off the hop, he'll play on the top power play unit that's going to be a good power play unit. Um, you know, I have very little doubts that if he's healthy this season, then he'll put up over 60 points. Now, we're looking at Hughes. I think maybe they put him on the wing. And if that's the case, and, you know, maybe he's getting he's getting legit top six and top power play deployment too um, they have a lot of shoot first players in New Jersey and that's going to mesh well with his style I just think the transition is going to be a little more difficult you know I'm not saying he's going to put up 35 points or something like this like Svechnikov did but um, you know there's never been a player that stepped right out of the program and went to the NHL and so he'll be the first one to do so and then you know I'm expecting a couple of hiccups along the way again totally capable of putting up 60 points next season uh, I just think that Kako probably has a, a more realistic chance of doing so all right. Now let's look at it from the other fantasy side. You're in a dynasty keeper league, like most of the people listening to this probably are. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a player whose rights you can hold for a long, long time. Is it the same? You still like Kako, or are you thinking Hughes here? Yeah, if we're going points only, then I'm taking Hughes. I think the upside is uh, just a little bit higher. Um, I think Kako is going to be one of these guys that is, is going to feast at five on five. He's going to drive play. He's going to be a player that steps up his game in the playoffs when things get tight. Uh, but just for strictly fantasy purposes and pure pure talent upside i think hughes the way that he can skate the way he can see the play um Kako's very very good at basically everything where hughes has elite skating elite vision um, and his puck skills are at another level too and so he doesn't have the physical side he doesn't have the two-way acumen but you know we're not too worried about that in fantasy that's right uh right when the dollar prospects uh fantasy report came out the prospect guide you and i were talking about the fantasy ranking of the players and you and I both agreed that uh, Cole Caulfield is a player who moved up uh, significantly on the rankings when you're looking at fantasy. Um, I think it's not a stretch to put him potentially as the third ranked player on a fantasy list. 
He went to the Canadians uh, in the 10-11 range, I think they picked. They got 15. 15? Yeah. Um, sort of close. Uh, okay, so now that Cole Caulfield, we know where he is. He's landed in Montreal. He's probably not going to play in the NHL this year. He's going to have some, some college time. Um, forecasting with what we know about Montreal, how do you think that impacts his, his fantasy value? I think that there would have been some worse spots for Caulfield. So I think that this is a pretty good spot. Um, you know, you, 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 we all kind of envisioned maybe he'd go to Edmonton and, and what could he do with Connor McDavid, which is basically, you know, Jack Hughes on steroids. But, you know, going to Montreal, they have some nice young centers in their pipeline. Obviously, Jesperi Kakaniemi is is already in the show and, and doing his thing as an 18-year-old this year. And he's maybe uh, maybe what you'd call Jack Hughes light, where he has the same sort of vision and patience and puck control. Uh, he doesn't have the same speed. But I think that those two could be a very interesting combo together uh, that, you know, if... It's all about if Caulfield can be elusive enough to find those soft areas of the ice in the NHL. And so you're right, he's, he's going to go to college, he'll go to Wisconsin, I expect it's at least two years, and then he's going to step into the NHL. He'll probably score 30 goals next year as a freshman, which we haven't seen since Kyle Connor. But, it, it, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think, uh, like I said, there, there could have been some worse spots for him if he landed in, in some places that didn't have really good young distributing centers in their mix. You mentioned Edmonton. Uh, that's, that's funny because I was thinking a lot about that as a fit for him. And I don't know if that would actually be a good fit on a line with McDavid because McDavid's game is all predicated on speed, 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 um, both thinking and, and moving at a, an extremely high rate. And Caulfield thinks the game at a high rate, but he doesn't move at the same sort of tempo. So I wonder if that would have actually been a good fit for him. Yeah, and you know, but Jack Hughes plays with a ton of speed as well. He's a little more east-west than, than McDavid, I'd say. Um, so you're right with the true, you know, up and down the ice that McDavid can do. But, you know, maybe they put him with dry saddle then. And, and I, I think just, just having high-end centers to work with is what he's going to need. He's going to need one that it fits well if he's going to be an impact goal scorer in the NHL. And I think that he's going to get every opportunity to do so. You know, they got Suzuki there in Montreal as well. They have some the, some nice centers that could mesh with Caulfield. So it, it uh, right. yeah, I think that, you know, I don't know if he's still third for points only in, in this draft, but he's, he's his upside is high enough that you're definitely looking at him in that top five. All right, so someone else who might be in that third in a fantasy ranking has got to be uh, Alex Turcott. He's picked up by the Los Angeles Kings. A lot of opportunity for him in that organization. Big question mark with Gabe Velarde and his health. Uh, I kind of like that as a, as a really nice landing spot for him, fantasy value-wise. Do you see it that way too? They don't have a ton to work with on the wings. Uh, LA is void of talent throughout, I'd say. I, you know, I really like Raspis Kupari. I think he's a player. Uh, J.A.D., uh, Jared Anderson Dolan, I like him too. I think he's more of a secondary guy. Maybe he slides over to the wing and he could be an interesting player that does a lot of different things. Uh, but for me, I think Turcotte's, he's also going to Wisconsin. Uh, it's likely him and Caulfield will be playing together in the top six next year. Uh, I really, yeah, I really think Turcotte's going to be a one-and-done kid, though. That you know He could arguably re- be ready to push for an NHL job right now, but these American kids, they... You know they go to school and so i expect him to do the one year there but you know with him his upside i think is as a as a real life player is a two-way monster in the mold of patrice bergeron that'll take heavy minutes and that'll probably impact his overall uh, fantasy value because you know we see bergeron this year he put up you know tremendous point per game metrics but normally he's a guy that hovers around that that one point per game um, because he is so strong defensively and he's not really going to push up for 100 points. So I kind of see the same thing from Turcotte, especially because he's not going to have a Brad Marchand on his wing or a David Pasternak. So it's gonna, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for him to put up a ton of points early on until they start to get more talent in L.A. Right on. All right. And picked right after him uh, a player that I'm really fascinated in. It was kind of 
kind of one of the more woe moments of round one was Detroit Red Wings picking Mort's Cider uh, in the sixth spot. Um, now, you had said on your social media and on a post, some bold predictions, that he goes in the top 10 or he goes earlier. And he was also my second-ranked overall defenseman. Um, I, I think a lot of people were shocked by this, but I think a lot of people in the industry weren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sider's a good player. And, um, you know, I, I think he, he's risen up boards, rightly so, justifiably so, throughout the year with his play. And, you know, we, we had heard that Detroit was very, very interested in him. They wanted to slide back to get a little bit of value to take him. Um, I strongly believe that if Alex Turcotte had made a pass five, that Vancouver would have tried to swing that deal to get up to six to take Turcotte. And then uh, and then Detroit could have got Sider at 10 and got you know, a second-round pick and some other things as well. But it didn't happen. They took their guy. He's a big, mobile, right-shot kid. Uh, they just signed a big, right-shot guy out of Finland, uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that they don't have to rush Cider. He's an interesting player because he can play literally anywhere in the world next year. Uh, right. You know, he, he can come over, he can play in the DEL. World is his oyster. Play in the SHL. He can play in the, who's, who's got his rights? He's in the O. Owen Sound, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, in the O there. He can play in the AHL. Hell, he can play in the NHL. So, um, you know, he, he's he's got really, he's a lot of potential that's ready to be molded. I think the upside there is, is very strong. And, you know, a lot of people were oohing and hawing and gasping there at six and another player that in a few years I think we're going to look back and be like that was justifiable for sure it's very curious where he will end up playing I'm sure that the Red Wings will have their uh, their rookie camp shortly and uh, at that point this will probably get an assessment on him and, and see how he feels where he wants to play and, mm-hmm. and, and look at what their options are and I'm not sure if his OHL or his CHL import rights were released or not I can't I can't recall um, so he might actually end up going back in the import draft, uh, and that could be a factor too. Yeah, I'd like him to play some pro. I've really, I, I felt all along that often we see German kids come into Germany and then go to a more traditional European market, and so Finland, Sweden, Sweden's the one that makes a ton of sense for me. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that that would be a nice slide over. I'm sure there's going to be some SHL clubs that are interested in taking him on. Of course, yeah. Um, so I, I feel that that would be a good spot for him. Yeah, and we all know, I don't think this is going to change now that Kenny Holland's gone, but Detroit slow cooks their prospects and make sure that they're ready before they go. I see Stevie Y playing the long game here with yep. this pick as well. Yep. All right, uh, let's, uh, let's move a little bit on to the second half of the first round. Two players that uh, I think maybe a lot of people thought weren't expected to go in the first round were the Ottawa Senators taking Lassie Thompson and maybe the Tampa Bay Lightning with Nolan Foote. Uh, I think most everyone else was pretty widely projected to be a first-round pick. So let's start with the Sens and Lassie Thompson. Uh, mm-hmm. Why would Sens fans not be disappointed with this pick? I mean, uh, as we saw, I didn't get a count there, but but teams are reaching to get defenders, and, and they can't help themselves because it's so difficult to get these players in trades or in free agency. And Lassie Thompson's a right-shot kid. He's you know He's got good size. He's got good mobility. He's got a cannon of a shot he's got one of the better shots in this draft four-door defender uh, his one-timer is big uh, he can walk into a slap shot. he's got a heavy release on his wrist too so you know he's a guy that can impact the game on the power play with that shot he's older for this crop so he's uh, you know I, I think just a few weeks or a month away from being eligible from 2018 so you're he's further down the developmental arc so you likely can project what he's going to be a little bit easier than some of these uh, later 01 kids you know I like him I liked him better in the 30s um, so I think it was a bit of a reach. But that said, I know that there was a few scouts out there that liked him, you know, around that 15, 16 mark. And so he went in whatever, 18 there. And, and so, you know, it's, it's not crazy. Once you got past that next tier, if you wanted a defenseman and you wanted a right one specifically, you know, you, <clears throat> excuse me, you were going to have to move up on a guy like Tom. 
games. So not fantasy irrelevant. I mean, older, more mature, hard shot, plays power play. These are all things that pop out to me if I'm looking at a player and his, and his fantasy value, right? On a, on a defenseman. Yeah. He's not a defensive defenseman. He's not a defensive defenseman. No. Cool. No. All right. Uh, Nolan Foote to Tampa Bay. Unites the Foot brothers. That's kind of fun. I don't know if they shoot left, but if they do, they got two left feet. Um, <laughs> now, Cal's yeah. a righty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Russ Cohen broke with uh, an article on EP Ringside that Foot was playing with an injured wrist all season, and that maybe impacted his performance a little bit. Uh, I kind of like Nolan Foot. Uh, his rookie season in the dub was pretty impressive, and ever since then, uh, he's been on my fantasy radar. Uh, I don't think this was that much of a stretch. I guess the knock on his game is pardon the pun but his footwork mm-hmm. yeah so let's talk about foot what's your take on that pick yeah um you know i saw that when when russ broke that too and and that was interesting to hear because you know he still scored 30 odd goals uh, in the dub with, with an injured wrist all season long and, and that was yeah and so that's it, it, the kid knows how to shoot the puck that's never been in question another older player for this crop a, a 2000 born you know not too far away from being in the 2018 class uh, i wish he had a groin injury and be like, oh, that's what affected his mobility for most of the year because he's not the fleetest of foot. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we can do this all day. Uh, you know, I, I think that in the Just right situation... One foot in front of the other. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, you know, he's going obviously to a tremendous organization that has a lot of skilled players that can get him the puck. So I think he's a bit of a project that, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll take a little, maybe a little bit more time marinating before he's a, a really impactful NHLer offensively because of his size, because of his age, maybe he actually cracks the NHL a little bit earlier than some of these other guys, but I think for him to really put up points, he's, he's going to have to work on that foot speed or just be put in tremendous situations offensively. So, you know, kind of gifted a top nine role with some of these amazing players in Tampa Bay. So, you know, uh, at the tail end of round one, it's everyone's board's going to look different. I had him, I think, down in the 40s, uh, but again, like we're, we're splitting hairs at this point and it's going to be jumbled. Right. All right, man. Any uh, any other players that still have a lot of fantasy value that you think, uh, if you're in a fantasy draft, just because they're not picked in round one, and, and a lot of people use the NHL draft as their pick list for fantasy drafts. So players who weren't picked yesterday that will be picked today, that if you're talking fantasy draft, these are guys you can find some value in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arthur Kaliev, obviously the big, big upside. He's, sure. he's enigmatic that you know he frustrates completely most of the time until he fills the net. Uh, Bobby Brink got an elite brain on him. He's a very creative, intelligent player who knows how to create offense. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Brink, though, five foot eight, and the skating's not nice, so that's that's a bit of an issue, but if he can get overcome that, I think he thinks the game high enough that he can put up a lot of points. Uh, Alvin Grew, he, you know, he's... He models the game after Brad Marchant. I don't think he has that kind of offensive upside. I think he's more of an energy line player. Uh, banger leagues, yeah, I'd be interested in him. Keep it crossing. Yeah, there it is. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, Patrick Pistola, I, I, I kind of have a feeling that he's going to Carolina here. They like their fins. He's a highly skilled player that's very interesting. Nils Hoglander's another player, uh, you know, could even be interesting in, in multi-cats too because he's, he's only five foot nine, but, man, he, he plays like a fire hydrant. He's already got the hockey bangs. He battles. Um, you know, someone we didn't talk about too for multi-cat is going to be Puck Colson and uh, yep. you know, the potential of him and, and, and PD uh, living together. Even Horvat, you know, him and Horvat would be a, just a deadly shutdown kind of offensive line too. But, you know, you put... You put Paul Coulson with Pedersen and Besser, and that, that could be some uh, some pretty amazing stuff too. Especially he'll, he'll fill some boxes across all categories. Right on. Now the other thing I, I look for 
uh, in fantasy coming out of the NHL draft is overage players. And I really like, and I've been talking about this pretty regularly on the show, uh, I like overage players because their turnaround time is much faster. You don't need to park them on your bench for five years. Uh, who's your top two or three overage players? Uh, I'm guessing the list starts with Brett Leeson. It's kind of an obvious one. Um, you, you think he's picked in round two? Yeah. And uh, and who else is on your radar after Leeson? Yeah, so overage kids, definitely Leeson will be the, the top guy there. Um, you know, there's a couple goaltenders that are really nice as well that are overagers. But, you know, Samuel Fajimo, the skating concerns me, but he, he knows how to shoot the puck. He had a really nice draft plus one season in Sweden in the top league there. Um, you know, Curl Sleppitz is a speed demon. He's a kid that, you know, he's, he's probably going late this year too because he's, he's got some holes in his game. But, again, if you put him in the right situation. So the well, overage the kids, the holes, defensively, I, you know, I don't think he's, he's all that intelligent without the puck. So he, he kind of gets lost out there a little bit and he doesn't use his speed always to his He advantage. did look pretty good shorthanded at the... Uh... Yeah, he can defend with that speed for sure. I just mean when he doesn't have the puck and moving offensively, I find that he, he sometimes skates himself out of good positions. You know, uh, when you're when you're looking at these overage kids, is that you're right? The turnaround time is going to be shorter, but the upside is also going to be more limited. So it, it depends on what you're looking for. I like to swing big on talent, even if I have to wait a little bit longer. But you know, getting down the board, a kid like Brett Leeson, I think is going to be an NHLer pretty quickly. Um, again, I think it's a, a little bit of a muted ceiling offensively. He's probably more of a bottom six guy, but you know, he can bang and he can kill penalties and he'll be able to contribute shots and, and things like that. So, um, you know, there's no real standout. I, I don't say that I'd be rushing to get anyways. In, in guys fair enough thanks for your time cam let's go enjoy the rest of the draft let's do it yep